Heavenly Father, Lord, we just ask for your touch, your anointing, Lord God, upon this word today. Lord, I would ask that it would go forth in power, O Lord God, and whoever hears this word, Lord God, would be strengthened, would be edified, would be lifted up, O Lord God, by your teaching, by your anointing today. So, Lord, we rest upon you, Lord God, that your word shall never return void, O Lord God, but instead shall reach the intended people, shall reach the intended targets, O Lord God, and that your will would be done within our very lives. We trust you and seek you today, Lord, for this anointing and for this touch and for this work, Lord, of edification today, of revealing. In Jesus' name, we ask, we seek, and we pray today. Amen. There are many, many battles that we shall fight in this life. The Bible tells us that it's never going to be easy. In fact, it's going to be wrought with trials and tribulations and circumstances that are very hard and difficult for us to understand, very hard and difficult for us to maneuver. But through all these battles, through all these trials, we know that it is working for our good. The Word tells us that all things work together for our good, for those who love Christ, for those who are called according to His purpose. So even though it's hard, even though it's difficult, we seek the Lord for these times of trials, for these times of tribulations, because He says within them, through the refining fire, through this process, the Lord shall grow us, He shall mature us, He shall edify us further into His very own image. We are being sanctified, set apart for holy purposes, and changed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. This is what John the Baptist would say whenever his followers would actually ask him. They would come to him seeing the amount of emphasis that he had placed upon Christ himself and would say, Do we follow after you? Do we continue after you? Or shall we follow after him? What shall we do? His answer was startling, but yet quite precise in the way he responded unto them. He did not beat around the bush. He did not give them a list of 12 things to go do. He simply pointed them straight back unto Jesus Christ. And he said, I must decrease, but he must increase. I think whenever we look at our own trials and tribulations and how we react to these circumstances, how we actually function within these very battles, it is a gauge unto ourselves. Are we truly moving further into being changed into the image of Jesus Christ? Are we still holding on too much unto the flesh? Out of all the battles that we shall fight, I would say this is perhaps one of the greatest battles that we shall continue to fight over and over and over again is the crucifying of this old flesh and the lust thereof. The Bible tells us that we must continue to die to ourselves daily. In fact, let's look at this great battle that our own Lord and Savior Jesus Christ fought in His own humanity. Turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. Matthew 26 and verse 36. 
This is when it had come, the Lord's time had come, His hour, His moment, to where He was going to go to the cross. He was going to pay the sin debt for humanity once and for all. He had began to speak about this very moment and to the disciples. He had told them that this day was approaching. He had told them about the circumstances. He had begun to educate them on what they should do even after He was gone away from them. But before the crucifixion, there had to be a great battle that was fought first. And this battle was with His very own flesh. The same identical battle that you and I go through daily. The spiritual man versus the fleshly man. The fleshly man loves his life. He loves the lust of the flesh. He loves the things of this world. He does not want to give up his life. He does not want to give up control. He does not want to give up his passions. He does not want to give up any of those things. But the spiritual man wants the spirit man to rule and reign. And so we see this great battle fought over and over again daily in the very hearts, in the very souls, in the very spirits of mankind. Our own Lord and Savior Jesus Christ had to also fight this battle in His humanity. The Bible tells us that He was God of all. He was the Son of the living God. He was before all things. He created all things. But there come a time, there come a moment, there come an hour where He had to take the very form of man. He had to come down here to this earth. He had to live this life, this perfect life. Never sinning, not one time, not in thought, not in deed, any of those times. He had to live as a man. So as he never forsook his deity, he also was a man living just as you and I live and fight and are tempted in the very same exact and identical ways. So therefore, he also had to fight this battle just as you and I have to fight this battle. But I want to tell you, thanks and glory to God, amen, that He has already fought all these battles for us. And He has come out victorious for you and I. Hallelujah. Christ went to the cross first for you and I. But we must also deny ourselves and take up our crosses daily, as it tells us in Luke 9 and 23. We must also crucify the flesh Daily. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 36, it says, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and said unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and two of the sons of Zebedee, we know this to be John and James, the sons of thunder, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Will you tarry here and watch with me? And he went a little further and fell on his face, and he prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So he comes to the Garden of Gethsemane, full of heaviness, full of the burden, having all of the sins of mankind that ever were, ever would be, 
placed upon his shoulders. The Bible tells us, we will read a little bit further, it tells us that he was so vexed that actually he began to sweat blood droplets. He was under such vexation, such stress, such pressure. And it was not just this burden that he had to carry, that he had to fulfill, that he had to do. It was also his own very humanity that was fighting against him. You see, our humanity fights to live. The flesh wants to live. The flesh wants to eat. The flesh has a hunger and a thirst and a desire for the things of the world. From the very moment that we partook of sin, Adam and Eve, and the sin nature entered into mankind, we see man with an overriding appetite that we just fill our bellies full of sin. We fill our bellies full of this life until the very moment that we take our last breath. And this is the state, this is the condition of humanity. Man wants to live. Even though we know Christ was without sin, He had no sin nature, there was no sin that was within Him, the very humanity of Christ wanted to live. The very human part of Christ did not want to die, did not want to go to the cross. It certainly did not want to suffer with pain and agonizing and sacrifice that was required of it. So we see our Lord and Savior seeking His heavenly Father, praying unto Him, full of all of this pressure, full of all of this stress, full in the very heat of battle between flesh and the spirit man. And He begins to pray unto the Father, Father, if it would be your will, please, don't make me have to do this. Don't, don't make me feel this pain. Don't make me give up my life. And he cried out unto the Father. The flesh often cries very often. It pleads. It grasps. It tries to take hold. Father, if it be your will, don't, don't let me drink of this cup. Don't let me take sin upon me. Don't make me lose my life, Father. But nevertheless, let your will be done. Verse 40 says, And he came unto the disciples, and he finds them asleep. And he says unto Peter, What, could you not watch with me but for one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. For the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So he comes back to his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, and he finds them asleep. Now we can judge them all day long here and spite them and say, you were with your Lord and Savior, how dare you go to sleep? But I want to tell you, we sleep through most of this life ourselves. Even in our very church services where we get all dressed up, we take time away on our Sunday mornings, we spend money. We come to the house of God. There's a lot of times that the very Word of God is being proclaimed by anointed ministers. 
The Holy Spirit speaking through preachers, through pastors, speaking unto the sheep, speaking unto the flock. And there's a lot of times we can't wait to get out of the service because we're ready to go eat. And we literally sleep through a lot of the services. The very Word of God goes forth and we sleep through that moment. The greatest battle for mankind was being fought at this very moment and the inner circle of the disciples that had lived with him some seven days a week, 365 days a year, were sleeping during the greatest battle that has ever been fought for mankind. And the Lord chides them. He, he disciplines them. He tells them. He rebukes them. Please, can you not just stay awake but for a moment? Your flesh is going to want to go to sleep during the battle. But your spirit man is willing to fight the battle if you can just but stay awake, stay alert. Should we ever not be more alert in this day, in this hour, in this moment than right now? When it seems the very fabric of our society, the very morals of our society is falling apart. Should you and I ever not be vigilant today? Should we ever be disciplined to seek further the things of God's kingdom, to put Him first in everything in our lives so that righteousness and all these other things of this world that we think is important should then be accounted unto you and I. Verse 42 says, He went away again the second time and He prayed saying, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, let thy will be done. So now we see him going away the second time. And after he had been recharged and refreshed through prayer, through seeking the power of his Father to manifest itself inside of him, to work through him, to give him power to overcome this battle, to be victorious with this war that was being fought within his flesh, with his very humanity. Now we see him charged with power from up on high. And this time when he comes back, instead of speaking the words he spoke before where he said, Lord, if it be your will, don't let this pass from me. But now I don't want to drink from this cup. But when he comes back this time, he has an altogether different prayer. This time he would say unto the Lord, unto the Father, Please, don't let this cup pass from me. I realize how important it is that the flesh must be crucified. That the sinful man must die so that the spirit man can live. I want you to know that there was a great prophecy that was spoken over this very moment. And we see this great prophecy in Isaiah chapter 53. Turn with me there in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah chapter 53. The prophets of old had spoken about the Savior, the Messiah, that was to come. And those prophets had said many things about the Messiah. What He would be like, how He would live, how He would deliver His people. 
When we look at the two different testaments, it is often said that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. When our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was fighting this battle, He was also fulfilling the prophecy that had already been spoken over His life for this great battle for humanity. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. So it's talking about our Lord and Savior of how he would grow up that tender plant, but also there was no physical beauty for the human man that Christ was. And I think there was a great reason for this is because we would put all our stock on him. He was big, he was strong, he was good looking, he was all these things that man looks at. But I want to tell you, it is not the outward form, but instead it is the inward man, the spirit man. It is the anointing of God that gives the power. Verse 3 says this, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and he has carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The very chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. So in this great prophecy in Isaiah 53 given by the prophet Isaiah, it speaks very clearly that our Lord and Savior was all these things, that He would fight this great battle, and that this great battle that was being fought for humanity once and for all, that the flesh must be crucified so that the spirit man can live, was spoken about many, many years prior to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ fighting this battle. Isn't it wonderful that the Lord has spoken these great promises over us already. He's spoken great promises that says, Confess with your mouth and believe it in your heart and you shall be saved. For I will never leave you nor forsake you. I shall give you power from up on high. I shall touch your entire family. In fact, if you will train up your children in the ways of the Lord, they shall not depart from it when they are older. Great and many promises He gives us before we even begin to fight this battle and walk in these promises. The Lord has already secured us the victory. He's already given us all of these great and wonderful and many promises. Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord God, for that. He was strengthened by the Word of God that had been planted inside of him. Therefore, when he began to fight the battle, hallelujah, he could stand firmly upon those promises. And because he had chosen to stand upon the promises of God, 
He was standing to fight that battle on ground, on earth, on a foundation that was unmovable, that was unshakable, because it was the very foundation of the Word of God. And it did not matter what battle he was fighting, because God had already given him the promise, and the promise was what he held on to by faith. Hallelujah. You and I are in the same place as we battle this flesh daily. We must crucify the flesh. We must allow the spirit man to live, the spirit man to thrive. And the Bible tells us that we shall bear right and proper fruit when we allow the Lord to live and to work and manifest Himself through us in this capacity. The very God Himself, Christ in you and I. But He cannot live, He cannot thrive unless this flesh is put down daily. Because the fleshly man tries to live once more. He tries to resurrect himself through the mode and operation of sin to get a foothold back once more over your life. This is the great battle that you and I are in daily. It is for our very souls. But hallelujah, we can stand upon those promises no matter what comes our way. Turn with me now in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 15. After the battle had been won in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see the prophecy that like a lamb going to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth not one time, because the Lord had already given him the victory. And now all he had to do was to allow the victory to run its course. Death thought it had him right where it wanted him. The enemy thought that it had him right where it wanted him. Mankind thought that it had him right where it wanted him. But the battle, thank you Lord God, had already been won. Chapter 15, verse 1, the Gospel of Mark. And straightway in the morning the chief priests, they held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and carried Him away and delivered Him unto Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answering said unto him, Thou sayest. And the chief priests, they accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answer you nothing? Behold, how many things these witnesses have against you. But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at that feast he released unto them one prisoner, whomever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them, that he might, that he made insurrection with him who had committed murder in the insurrection. So once a year in the Jewish custom at this time, at this feast... 
the Roman leader at this time, which was Pontius Pilate, it was a custom, would release one prisoner unto them. And it didn't have to be anyone specific. It just had to be someone that they desired to be released, to grant mercy unto the people. This man had actually... We don't, know, we don't know all these details about him, but we know he was probably some type of public figure, probably some type of political thing that had occurred. He had probably raised an uproar. He was probably some type of activist, as we would call them today. But he had fought against the political system. He had fought against the government. He had probably incited some type of riot or something along those lines. And we know that in that moment of that insurrection that Barabbas had actually committed murder. So this man was a murderer that was actually going to be tried for murder and probably killed according to their custom. But instead of the people saying to release Christ, we see here that they began to desire that this murderer would be released over our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 8 says this, And the multitude crying aloud began to desire Him to do as He had ever done unto them. And Pilate answered them, saying, Will you that I release you unto the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. But the chief priests moved the people that he should rather release Barabbas unto them, and Pilate answered and said unto them, What will you that I shall do unto him whom you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And then Pilate said unto them, Why, what evil has he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him, crucify him. So Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them, and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. Our Lord and Savior, as it tells us in other Gospels, when it looks at the account of the Garden of Gethsemane, says he could have called down 10,000 legions of angels to actually deliver him from this circumstance. But Jesus Christ knew something important and critical must occur for all of mankind, and as that is that the flesh must be crucified. Christ died for you and I, so that you and I don't have to go to the cross. We don't have to be crucified. We don't have to suffer for our sins, all that we have ever done, all that we ever shall do. He paid the sin debt for you and I. He kept the law in totality, never breaking any of the laws of God. Not one time, not in thought, not in deed. And He went to the cross for you and I. He was crucified for all humanity that had ever lived, all humanity that ever would live. Christ took on sin. He became sin for you and I. But the Word of God tells us that we must continue to crucify this flesh daily so that we may truly live 
unto God to truly become His hands, His eyes, His ears, His feet, His very mouthpiece of Christ. For Christ now dwells in you and I. I don't know what you may struggle with on a daily basis. We all have our own vices. We all have our own struggles. I think our struggles are very unique to each and every person. What tempts me may not tempt you. What tempts you may not tempt me and vice versa. But we are all still in the same battle. And that battle is that the flesh is trying to live and resurrect itself daily. Christ has already won the great war for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God, for that. But you and I must continue to crucify this flesh daily. I want to say unto you, don't let anything stop you or prevent you from crucifying the flesh daily. We must not love our lives so much that we compromise our faith and trust and belief in a risen Savior. We must not love our lives too much that we don't go to the cross daily and crucify this flesh. For those of you listening, I'm not sure where you are. Maybe some of you are working. Maybe some of you are in your home. Maybe some of you are together. I want to just pray for you today. If you're driving, I would ask you just to try and pull over if you can. Or if you're working, just stop for but a moment. And allow me just to pray for you today that the Lord would give you power and victory and unction to crucify this old flesh daily so that you may truly live unto God. Oh, let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for your word. Lord, I would ask that it truly hit home in the very hearts of us, O oh Lord God. That it has reached its intended target, O oh Lord God, with emphasis, with passion, and with power today. Allow us, Lord, to see, Lord, our walks before you, Lord God, how we live, how we think, how we act, Lord God, how we truly want the flesh to thrive. And we fight this battle daily. But Lord, we know that you have already won the war for us. You have already overcome for us. You have already secured the victory. So as John before us would say, help us, Lord, to decrease so that you may increase. And Lord, I would ask right now, Lord, whatever vices we have in our lives, whatever things cause us to compromise, Lord, I would ask that you would remove them, Lord, all hindrances, all obstacles, Lord, all those things in our path right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, as you remove them, replace them, O Lord, with a hunger, with a thirst, with a passion, with a desire to move further and deeper in you than we've ever been before. Lord, we can only do it through you, Lord God. And we trust in that today. We walk in that today. We believe in that today. And Lord, we thank you today, Lord, for what you have already done and what you're going to do. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.